Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hey everybody, it's Shep Hyken back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio and I am so excited today because not only do we have an amazing guest, we have a very, very close friend of mine, Patricia Fripp. And in addition to being a friend, she is my guru when it comes to speaking and being a better speaker. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to be talking about customer service and experience because when I first met Patricia many, many, many years ago, that was a lot of what she did. So back to that in just a moment. But first, before we get into this interview, I want to talk to you about a few announcements, as I always do. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, you want to share a story, you can go to my social media channels. You know what they are, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Use the hashtag AskShep if you want to ask a question. I'll answer the questions you send in either on this show, uh, there on that medium in my newsletter or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku. And we just released the third episode of the second season. Very excited that we're into the second season. And I can't wait for everybody to tune into that. All right, let's get into this interview. So Companies hire Patricia Fripp to increase their sales by perfecting their important conversations and presentations. She is the presentation coach to not only the stars in the speaking world, but to the executives in major corporations throughout the world. She is, to just, to use my word, she is just amazing. That's the best way to describe it. Patricia, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Jeff. We always have fun together. We do. And we've, you know, and gosh, you and I met in the night. So this is going to date us. Okay. I had hair. You looked exactly the same. And it was back in the 1980s. And we were presenting. Uh, I was asked to present uh, as part of my presentation. I did a magic trick. This is for the National Speakers Association. I needed an assistant. I pulled some random person up from the audience, and it was you. And I don't remember, you floated in the air. How could you forget that moment? I never forgot. You levitated me, and I have no idea how it happened. And, of course, you are one of the two people in the world who... Cut me into three pieces. Yes, yes. Who's the other person that cut you into three pieces? It was somebody else. I can't remember his name, but it was at <laughs> an NSA years later, but I knew how to do it. Oh, wow. And, okay. Well, that's cool. And I must admit, Shep, everything is fine, except when it's damp, I do have a few aches and pains. Yeah, yeah. And But the scar went away. Yes. It did. Yeah. So that was great because a couple years later we were on stage together and I sliced you and diced you into pieces and you know, we just became great friends. And, and, you know, it's even more backstory. You may not remember this. I had a client, Southwestern Bell. Uh, they were eventually merged back into AT&T and I was looking for a great speaker on customer service to recommend to them. And I recommended you and you knocked it out of the park. I don't know if you remember coming to St. Louis to do that. It was years ago, but let's talk a little bit about that because um, when you first began your career, you had this program called getting, keeping and deserving 
your customers. So where did that come from? If we reflect back, because all wisdom comes from reflection, probably when I was growing up, my dad was a self-made successful businessman in the real estate business. And when I was 15, I went to work to serve an apprenticeship to be a hairstylist. And the day my dad pushed me out the door, he said, in your career, don't concentrate on making a lot of money. Rather, concentrate on becoming the type of person people want to do business with. And you most likely will do well. And my first boss, Mr. Paul, he was Swiss and he was very sophisticated and European and so grown up. He was, I think, 28 at the time. But to me, he seemed so mature and, and grown up and old because he was so seasoned. I saw him treat every woman who came into our salon like the only one in the world for the amount of time she was there. Now, I thought that was nice and the proper activity and treatment. However, when I was older, Shep, and looking back, I realized how smart he was because he taught, he, he treated the woman who worked as a waitress in the posh Carlton Hotel, as well as the rich little lady who lived in the Carlton Hotel. And then what I realized was so smart was that the waitress in the posh hotel and Bournemouth where I work was a holiday resort as well as retirement area. So who better than a waitress in an affluent hotel to refer clients when people say, oh, your hair looks nice. I need my hair done while I'm in town. Where should I go? So this so is I, marketing and customer service. Yes. I realized when I was 15, good customer service is exceptionally good for sales and business. Yeah. So I used this growing up and I did very well working for Mr. Paul. And then I left home and I worked on an island off France called Jersey. It was British, but had its own government. What kind and of an accent? Did they have a Jersey accent? <laughs> no, not your Jersey. They didn't. <laughs> but what was wonderful, because this was a tax haven. So you had very affluent people who lived there. And it was a big holiday resort community. And I was, so I was 18, fresh out of my apprenticeship. And the gentlemen I worked with in this posh salon were very sophisticated from the West End of London. And they could do hairstyles I'd never even seen before. However, one day, Shep, my boss told me, you produce 30% more income for the salon than the men who were more talented, more experienced and getting paid three times as much as I was. And it was simply, Shep, and this was part of any success I've had in any career. My co-workers thought lunch hours were for eating lunch. And I knew lunch hours were for squeezing in three extra customers who could only come in their lunch hour. They weren't holiday makers. They weren't the rich ladies. They worked in the straws and areas around us. So that's how I made more money.
Yeah. So there's a couple of lessons. And by the way, you said something earlier. I just wanted to jump in and say tweetable moment. And and there, it, I think the con the concept is that uh, you're deserving of your customers. That you focus on making everybody feel like they're the most important person. You know, I I just love that when um, you know you see it in movies. You know, why does why do you love being with him? And she says, because when I'm with him, he makes me feel like I'm the most important person in his life. And you know, that's what we must do for our customers if we really want to engage at a level that connects to create loyalty. So eventually you came over to the US and I know this is kind of a personal story and you've shared a little, a little bit, uh, but you worked for a very, very famous person in San Francisco when you came here. Yes, well, when I first came, I worked in the Mark Hopkins Hotel in the beauty salon and met people- Did you ever work at the corner? <laughs> You're listing all these hotels. No, I only worked in very posh salons. That right. was a great advantage. But this is why, Chef, when you work in really nice salons, now we had everyday working people, but we also had the affluent. As a very young woman, I got very comfortable with first women and then the situation you were talking to when I was 23 and was one of the first women in men's hairstyling when it was a new industry. I got very comfortable dealing with the affluent, very comfortable dealing with celebrities and also wheelie-dealy business leaders in the financial district. I developed relationships with people I would never have had the opportunity to meet socially, which perfectly positioned me into the next part of my career. So what you were talking about was when I was in the men's hairstyling the poshest salon in San Francisco. It was taken over by Hollywood's number one men's hairstylist. He really founded hairstyling. And being in Hollywood with a movie star clientele, for example, I'd pick up the phone. It would be Steve McQueen saying, hey, can Jay go racing with me tomorrow? And I'd have to call all his clients and say, sorry, can I reschedule? He's been called out of town on business and he was really racing with Steve McQueen. But that was Jay Sebring, the Hollywood hairstylist. Now, again, with seeing him in action, and this is another important lesson. Jay Sebring said, as soon as there's a notice in Herb Kane, which was the popular columnist, our phone will ring off the hook. And it did. And I realized working with Jay Sebring that it doesn't matter how good you are, the world has to know. Because Jay said, we only have one gimmick, the best haircut in town. But it wasn't what he said, Shep, as much as who he said it to. Time magazine, Newsweek, Playboy magazine, when nobody else was talking about men's hairstyling and, of course, all the local columnists and papers in San Francisco. 
So we developed a very robust business. And then, of course, what happened was in August of many decades ago, 1969, Jay was murdered with, yeah. with Sharon Tate. Right. However, what happened, and, and believe me, that was a devastating experience for anyone associated like so many situations, what happened was, and my best friend Frankie saw it long before I did, he said, Patricia, you will now be the salon star. And I was, because not only was I probably more articulate than some of the other stylists, I was the only woman with, with a new industry, which was rather different so I was the one that was on the radio stations, the TV shows, and all the newspaper interviews. So again, this reinforced, yes, you have to be good. And this was long before social media, but that's when I became, I would say, a shameless self-promoter. Because right. I realized the importance of publicity. Right. We're going to have to take a break in a moment, but I just want to also emphasize no matter how good you are, if you don't go back to the roots of what you were talking about, which is treating that customer like they're the most important person that you're dealing with right then and there, you're not gonna get them to wanna come back. You're not gonna get them to talk about you. It's more than where did you get your hair done? Doesn't it look nice? They could say, I get it done there, but you know, the reason you've gotta go beyond a great haircut is how they make you feel. And that's so important in so many businesses. And I love that we're kind of going back to the roots of what customer service is about. We're not talking about the digital age and chat bots and artificial intelligence, which by the way, very important that we talk about to, you know, today, tomorrow, and next week. But we also have to remember where it all comes from. At the end of the day, to use a cliche or, or, or overused term, at the end of the day, we want our customers to say, that was a great experience. I love doing business with him or her because fill in the blank and it's something positive. Let's take a short break. We come back. There's so much more. The, the disappointment I have today is that the show ends in just a little while because you and I can talk for hours and you've got some great stories. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Cult is not a scary word. My book, The Cult of the Customer, proves it. It helps you design a strategy to lead customers and employees through five cultural phases or cults. And good news, I've revised and updated the book. The new edition, The Cult of the Customer, is available for purchase now. It features case studies, tips, and tactics to guide you on the journey from uncertainty to amazement and build a customer-focused culture, a cult of the customer. So, what are you waiting for? Go to www.cultofthecustomer.com. Go there today and order. Join the cult that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists. The cult of the customer. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with the amazing Patricia Fripp telling us stories uh, that we can all relate to. And by the way, when we hear a story like this, I, I often talk about a taxi cab driver. Patricia's talking about her life, you know, in a hair salon. We can take these stories that we should all be able to relate to 
and say, hey, how does that apply to my life? How does that apply to my business? So let's pick up where we left off before. I know there was a comment that you were getting ready to share with us. Yeah, when I went into business for myself when I was 30, I trained my staff. It's more than a haircut at Miss Fripps. It's a motivational experience. We want to make people feel good as well as look good. And I promise you, it worked. I surveyed my staff and through their customers surveyed them. We asked one of the questions, when you leave, do you feel better than when you walk in? 98% said yes, 2% said probably. Probably, wow. So there's a way to modify that question uh, when it, for any type of business. It's not whether when you left, did you feel better? When you left, did you fill in the blank? Did you have your issue resolved? Did you enjoy the person you were talking with? There's so many different ways to fill in that blank. Powerful. All right. We can talk. Uh, I, actually, I'm going to ask one more customer service question, and then I want to flip and do something. I seldom ever deviate from the service and experience focus, but I want to talk a little bit about presentation skills. Uh, I believe everybody who's listening to this show has the ability, or actually on a regular basis, is forced to communicate with a colleague, a boss, a family member, and you're going to teach us today just a few nuggets on how to do it even better. But first, if you had just one customer service nugget you wanted to share with us, what would that be? Get rid of Anthony as soon as you hear about him. For example, when I started speaking, I was telling stories from my salon, from my own experience as a consumer, and from what I had learned, of course, when we worked for company Shep, we say, this is my example. Do you have a point that matches it so we can personalize it? And part of my presentations, I, I used to say, who would like to come up for a prize and tell us a good or bad customer service story? And it won't surprise you that people could usually think of really bad stories. And one woman came up and she said, I went into a store to buy a leotard to go under my child's Halloween costume. I made the mistake, picked up the wrong size, took it back and said, can I exchange it? And the guy behind the counselor, you don't even know what size your own kid is. Then she said, I made, I wrote a check for another purchase and he threw, I put the wrong date on, threw the pen across the counter and said, will you initial? And she went up to the customer service department, told them the story, and they said, oh, that must be Anthony. <laughs> now I know what get rid of Anthony means. And this is the point. The very first management seminar I attended, the speaker made one comment I've never forgotten. And this is the point. Your business is as good as your worst employee. Oh yeah. You can have a hundred amazing people 
And then the 101st person is an Anthony. And that's the person that one of your customers talks to that day. And that's the impression of the entire company, including those 100 rock stars. So great. And speaking of rock stars, you are the sister of a wonderful rock star, Robert Fripp, famous guitarist. Um, but that's not what this is about. King Crimson, by the way, if you want to know more and uh, work with David Bowie, Emerson, Lake and Palmer on and on and on and on. But Patricia, you are the speaking coach to the stars, stars of the stage, professional speakers, as well as executives. And in the very short time we have remaining, and we only have a few minutes, I would love for you to share some thoughts on presentation skills. Why not? This is what you do today. If I had to share two quick messages, mm -hmm. one, to deliver a message, especially when you're training your staff about the importance of customer service, the secret of making sure your audience wants to receive your message is to speak as an audience advocate. So let us just say you are training your staff on the procedures of your business. You want to let them know that when you know this information, you are guaranteed, however long you are with us, and wherever you go in your career in the future, these techniques will give you a competitive edge. Mm. Everybody has to know why this information is valuable to them beyond the job they're going to do. Just and that then, statement is intriguing. Uh, I, I want to get the competitive edge. Please, oh great wise one, tell me. <laughs> and then the second, as you know, I'm famous for this phrase, and, and you have been poked for it many times, specificity builds credibility. This is very important when you're training staff, especially as many of our associates are multilingual. English is not their first language. And if you are training them to do a job, especially if your associates come from a culture that do not feel comfortable saying, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Could you tell me that a different way? We need to be very specific. That is where storytelling comes in. If you're telling me we deliver good customer service, tell me a story about what that looks like. Yeah. Then tell me a story of, so when you go into a room, the procedure to follow so that you can clean the room well is to begin in the bathroom. And when you have done this, so you see, you tell them a story of somebody who does the job well, then you walk them through step by step as specifically as possible. And when you say get through the room, fast or spend as long as time as you need be specific what is fast minimum 15 minutes no longer than 25 be specific tell stories to help me see and use very everyday language that is easy to interpret right so presentation skills are not just for people talking on stage or presenting to executives in a boardroom. They are for all of us who are training employees, even one-on-one, -on -one, not just a group. So very powerful. 
I can talk to you forever. Unfortunately, we're out of time for the show. We'll have you back. We'll do a part two, no doubt. But I always end with the one thing question. What's the one thing you absolutely want this audience to walk away with? It can be a fresh new nugget of information, or it could be something you just want to emphasize that we've already talked about. The one thing. The one thing is never a thing. The one thing in this case is pithy point, specific example, or brilliant soundbite statement. So, and so this line, this line, I delivered on 60 minutes. Mm. When they came to the 60 minutes, came to the National Speakers Association in 2000. And I was smart enough to realize as they were interviewing dozens of people, if I don't want to be on the cutting room floor, I have to speak in what would now be a tweet, but a soundbite. And so they said, it used to be a hairstylist, now your speaker has got to be a big difference. I said, I used to work on the outside of people's heads, now I work on the inside. There's only half an inch difference. Ooh. That line got me on 60 minutes. That half inch has made me millions of dollars. Yes, amen. Not all in the same year. And, and by the way, I know I said, what's the one thing? And you usually take your index finger and jam it in my chest and say, don't use the word things or thing. What I ask my clients more than any other question is if it weren't a thing, what would it be? the last idea that you would like to share with us. Maybe I have to change my one thing question to the final idea. The big aha. We'll come up with it. I repeat, your business is as good as your worst employee. Oh yeah. When it comes back to customer service, sage advice. Patricia Fripp, the amazing, the incomparable, uh, the uh, you know business expert, presentation skills expert. She's wonderful. She's my friend. And thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We'll be back next week with another amazing interview. And until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.